Welcome to Hills I'd Die On, a podcast where I, Taylor Cox, invite guests to discuss and debate unpopular opinions they're so passionate about they'd be willing to die on a hill over it. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Hills I Die On. Today is a very goodie because today I am joined by one of my favorite comedians and humans. He's a writer, most recently for Robbie on Comedy Central. He's also an actor, uh, improviser, dancer, disco ball loving extraordinaire. Amateur dancer, of course, if you follow Uh, my Instagram. He's a five-star person and he's here to die on a hill with us today. Please welcome to the podcast, Sean Distin. Hello, Tay. How are you? I'm so good. How are you doing? Well, I'm ready to die on this hill. I'll tell you that much. I'm very excited about it. Would you mind telling us what that hill is? Ninja Turtles 1 from 1990 (laughs) is a perfect film. And to be clear, we're talking about the 1990s Mm -hmm. live action reboot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The first part in a three part trilogy. Yes. Eventually culminating in a Pizza Hut sponsored musical tour. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A plus film. Now I can't. (laughs) vouch for anything past Ninja Turtles 1. Ninja Turtles 2, Ninja Turtles 3, the Pizza Hut thing. Which we can get into. All of those are so campy and like became a joke. Like, because I think what I like about Ninja Turtles 1 is that it's very dark. Right. And and then I think they were like, well, we need to kind of sell this to kids. So they become a little bit more campy and dumb. Okay, so you're not standing by the trilogy. This is, I'm isolating the first Ninja (laughs) Turtles from 1990. Amazing. So First of all, before we get into it, for yes. those of you who have not seen the movie, there are going to be some spoilers ahead, so feel free to pause and watch Spoiler it. Spoiler alert from the 1990 uh, for, yeah, movie it's, Ninja Turtles It's been one. out for like 39 years, so if you haven't seen it, get on it. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who need a little refresher, the logline to the movie, which I found amazing, mm-hmm. is in New York, mysterious radioactive ooze has mutated four sewer turtles into talking, upright walking, crime fighting ninjas. Mm -hmm. The intrepid heroes, Michelangelo, played by Robbie Rist, Mm -hmm. Donatello, played by Corey Feldman, Mm -hmm. Raphael, played by Josh Pei, and Leonardo, played by Brian Tochi, Mm -hmm. are trained in the ninjutsu arts by their rat sensei, Splinter. When a villainous rogue ninja, (laughs) who is a former pupil of Splinter, arrives and spreads lawlessness through the city, it's Mm -hmm. up to the plucky turtles to stop them. That is a perfect description (laughs) of the movie. And think about the pathos that's already in that. You have Splinter as this father figure, and he's raised these Teenage mutant ninja turtles. Yes, and who are plucky, which is honestly so condescending. Fun, they're but, trained ninjas. But in Splinter's past, he's also trained the very villain of the movie. Ooh. And to me, there's so much there. I mean, it's a deep connect. Everything is so deep. No, oh, I, it really it's is brilliant. Uh, okay, and so so just to get into this, to give mm-hmm. us a little shape. If you're going to say that a movie is perfect, yes. then you have to agree that it passes the perfect test mm-hmm. in all categories. Great. So I broke it down into Oscar categories. Okay, okay? great. Starting with the acting. Okay. We what do we think now? Perfect I think, acting. I actually think the acting is fantastic. <laughs> And I think the other part of the acting that's interesting is the turtles are in full Jim Henson puppet 
creation costume. And they are so scary. They are. Well, they're not as scary as two and three because in two and three, they give them too much eye motion. Oh, you're so right. And their heads shrink And their a heads. Bit. And it's like the uncanny valley a little bit. In the first one, I, I have to tell you, it's the most anatomically connected because part of it is there's no CGI in the first one. Right. So all the fighting is real stuntmen yeah, the in these costumes. Yeah, that stuff's pretty amazing. I fell in love with these characters and sort of forgot that they were in these costumes because they're these distinct, well-acted characters. Now, they're slightly caricatures because this is a comic book adaptation. Sure. But I think that this movie does the best job of distinguishing the four Ninja Turtles. Yeah, and not just by giving them colors. Exactly. I didn't realize. In the other ones, they're all just like all Michelangelo, essentially. Where in this one, Raphael is dark and brooding. (laughs) And I relate to this character. No! And he sort of talks like, he has like a New York accent and there was a scene I was watching just earlier today. I was just going to ask you how you feel about his accent. Just today, he's watching this scene and he was like, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to fight you. And it's like... This very 1990s New York before everyone got like disnified in New York. It's really interesting. That's amazing. And I truly think the acting transcends. Now, think about this. Yes. An extra in this movie, featured extra is Sam Rockwell. I know. Okay. So we're talking <laughs> about <it>. Oscar winning <laughs> actors. Popping up left and right. Popping up left and right world. in this movie. <laughs> I think there's, okay, so here's an acting part. I, there's a part where they meditate and they think Splinter's dead and when they when the apparition goes away there are tears rolling down the ninja turtle's face the puppets have tears on them and i truly always get emotional watching that scene and if you watch the movie you can't tell me you're not sucked into that part because the acting is actually really good and subtle look you know i rented this movie for you (laughs) you know i turned it on i paid four dollars for you and it took me a full day so you think the acting was bad I mean, I have so many problems with the movie. Mm, I mm, look, I will say as a 90s kid, I'm all about the nostalgia factor. I yes, loved Ninja Turtles. Yes, like, course, you know, I can't believe you identify as a Raphael. I have totally you always did as a kid? Oh, my God. I was such a little bad boy. Okay, wait. Raphael's the he's the one guy. he's red. Yes. And Michael. he's the one in the movie that is goes through the most hero's journey where he yeah. gets like he really is the only one. He gets arc. knocked unconscious basically for like half the movie and he's like recovering in a tub in, in, in a cabin which another you, amazing scene. how do you feel about the part the act in terms of acting mm-hmm. when he goes outside angry and just mm-hmm. starts like doing fighting now see that is something <laughs> that is not isolated to ninja turtles that is a, a trope from the 80s i think it might even be in maybe footloose or dirty dancing whatever it's one of those movies where like they go into the woods and just start kicking and punching but what i liked about that scene is that it sets up one of the best fight scenes of the movie where he has to fight all these people and then they like crash down into this like basically prop house where they just have a bunch of... I definitely can't argue that the choreography in those costumes is pretty pretty amazing. And I'd even say when you watch the second and third one, the the fighting becomes even more comical and jokey where they're like hitting people with yo-yos and it's no longer impressive. Right. But in this first one, they are like flipping around and doing backflips and like yeah. swords and I don't know I think the if you're asking me if the acting's good I think the acting is amazing <laughs> Pending the circumstances. It's Perfect a acting. comic book yeah. for kids that was adapted as yes. a more adult thing. I would say the worst acting is Shredder and his whole clan that's a little one I was one just going to ask you about Shredder and he's the foot. Pretty, he's pretty bad. Okay. The foot is pretty bad. But they couldn't really be characters at the time. Sure, sure. you don't want to feel bad beating him up. 
and it and I mean it was a darker movie. It's pretty like, dark, isn't it? Surprisingly dark. Yeah, and he's like actually kind of villainous. He's like, very he's scary. scary. I they, mean, he's like threatening to kill people yes. and like. And when they capture Splinter and like are beating him, it's dark. It's so <laughs> it's dark. Like, this is what I love. Like, okay, our most recent comic book adaptation movies that yeah. have been the most like this movie's an Oscar contention sure. was a movie called Logan. Mm-hmm. And this is like where Wolverine is in with the future daughter, right? and it, yeah. with this not daughter, but like this oh. person who's like running away. But it's really, really dark. And everyone loved how dark it was. And I'm kind of like, man, it's coming full circle because they started pretty dark. OK, so not only is this the perfect film, but it inspired Logan. I think it's the, <laughs> I think it's the like template for the dark comic book adaptation that's still kind of for kids. I don't know if it inspired Logan, but I do think the pizza of obsession made way for hot girls everywhere to suddenly be like i identify as pizza a hundred percent the pizza industry owes ninja turtles it's everything. tremendously so much okay so then next up on the list we have directing okay now this is where i think the movie really shines no okay there's clearly stuff that's like 1990s directing there's a lot of like very close-up shots for dialogue that's not great right but i will say there's a lot of fun cinematography especially with the these animatronic turtles okay sean how can you say that when the movie legitimately starts with april Mm o'neill or like someone gets Mm pickpocketed also it's hilarious it's Mm -hmm. talking about like the crimes in new york city and the crimes are perfect cold open to this movie (laughs) april doing a news story where she's like a mysterious clan called the foot <laughs> it's so good and it's like we just watch one wallet get pickpocketed okay. and handed around to okay. 20 people but then april o'neill is then basically assaulted by yes, the foot yes, yes. and it you see that perhaps the ninja turtles are gonna help mm-hmm. but then the entire thing goes dark yes now and then this is a screen. trope of the ninja turtles because i know that you think this is bad directing <laughs> this is a perfect trope of the Ninja Turtles because they're supposed to be unseen. It sets up the entire movie. But you can unseen by the audience who came paid to see exactly. a film. It actually sets up the perfect introduction but to the turtle. To be unseen, Here's what's so funny movie. because I watched that whole beginning and I was like what a fucking intro to this movie <laughs> because the whole thing is they're supposed to be in the dark. They're supposed to be in the shadows. Yes. What sets up the problem is when they get discovered when Raphael loses his weapon. Right. So this whole thing starts because they're supposed to be unseen and that's the ninja way that's what splinter (laughs) wants for them splinter wants for them to be unseen so it wasn't just a cheap budget i mean the very beginning of this movie truly the intros the song the tone when they introduce the turtles you're so excited to see them because first you hear their voice and the voice is like Corey Feldman and you're like, oh shit, what is this? Oh, it <laughs> truly is good. And then when they're with Splinter, I, I even just was breaking it down because I had a feeling you'd ask me about the directing. <laughs> and the first scene with Splinter is, it tells such a story. They walk in on this high having just done, saved April mm-hmm. and they walk in and Splinter basically is doing the like dad waiting for them as they come home late thing. Right. And he's like, what are you guys doing? Were you guys seen? The the tone of the scene completely changes as you see the camera slowly pan around from the happy turtles to the very somber splinter. And you realize they're telling a story in this shot. The story is 
these kids are teenagers and they're being raised by this father figure. And it sets up the dynamic of the whole movie. Again, though, we're getting into the script a little early. We're talking about. But but the director is directing the script. (laughs) And I think. okay, And I think scenes like when they're in the cabin and when they like that whole meditation scene. We could talk about that all day. I know. I know you love that. But the scene (laughs) even after that, where it's like April and Casey are Casey Jones are just sitting on this bench and Casey Jones is being a misogynist pig, of course. Yep. But the introduction of the third act is essentially the Ninja Turtles saying, it's time to go back. And it's the most dramatic saying of it because they think their dad's dead and they just meditated and cried. And it's in this beautiful shot in North Carolina where the sun is like coming up over their shoulders. <laughs> it's beautifully shot. I, I don't hate that scene because I do think it's like the only scene that has like a little bit more depth Woo! in the film. And that, whole, it, that whole thing. The directing though at the end, and you know what I'm talking okay, about. What are we talking the about? The scene where Splinter is about to be pushed off the end Edge yes, by yes, Shredder, yes, yes, yes. and he has to lean back <laughs> and grab a nunchuck. Exactly. Okay. How's the so we're talking about bad boy. <laughs> we're talking about puppets, all right? And now this is difficult <laughs> because you know I agree that that isn't the most dramatic. It's supposed part. to be. It's, it's supposed, supposed to, be. to be the most dramatic. And it's part. definitely like the time where you're like, oh, that splint, that rat puppet was not made to fight at all. Oh. <laughs> so it's kind of a tough one. Oh my god, do you think that's what happened? It was like day thirty. Of oh my the god, shoot, I think they, they were like, like oh, well, we, we didn't expect Splinter to have to fight. Yeah. The puppeteer, by the way, El- the Elmo puppeteer, oh, no who way. also did the voice. Interesting. So we're talking classic puppeteer. So if he couldn't make it work, it's just because it was a puppet. And oh, I understand. <laughs> Look, I just appreciate that there's zero CGI in the movie. Yeah, I don't no, even I think I don't even think there's wire work. I do think there's something special about seeing something done practically. It's so practical. I think we're touching on a huge part of what I love about this movie. Yeah. It feels so ground level. Right. Where like every superhero movie or right. every like comic book thing is a bunch of CGI and the world is going to end. Yeah. And all, this is such a small like New York street level story. Yeah. And they have to keep it that way and because they have to. that was the technology. And that's the, but it makes for this really deep movie. <laughs> I, I think it's really good. And, th- and that's what I love about the intro. It's the streets of New York. They didn't shoot that much in New York. There's only like a few scenes that they shot in New York. And those scenes truly set the tone for like, oh, this is a street level movie. I love how much you know about where they shot it. Well, I just have watched this movie so many times. (laughs) And like it was shot mostly in North Carolina. And that's That's where that whole cabin thing is. But And I used to think that it was because they're like, well, they can't shoot in New York. It must be cheaper. But I I found out that this is actually a storyline from the comics. The whole thing is from the comic book. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So, yeah, I guess it's pretty good. Okay. So now we can get to the part you're dying to talk about. And that's the story in the script. And Sean, are you really going to argue with me that this is a perfect story? Okay, tell me what what you... So you watched it. You took you a day to watch it. It Tell me what was bad about the story. Because I think it is the perfect hero's journey. Do you actually? Yeah. What? How? It's okay. It's the character starting in one. It's yes. it's really Raphael's character Again, arc. Again, it is Raphael's character arc, which is fine. I'm totally fine with focusing on one person. Yes. But we don't really follow him. There's like a whole midsection where Raphael is just gone. And then we're on these other tur- turtles yes. who aren't really having a journey. So like, so it's Raphael's story, but it is the turtles journey. Sure. Because they have to come together as a family. 
by the end of the movie. Okay. And what happens is Raphael is frustrated with the status quo Uh and he wants things to change. Sure, sure, sure. He makes changes, makes mistakes, goes out and disobeys Splinter. Yep. And goes after Casey Jones and like fights Casey Jones in the park. And because of that, there are huge implications. And and like they go so low in the movie. Like that's what I like about it is it's a movie that you get so many losses from your heroes so early on that it really feels earned when they win at the end. Does it? Uh, It's not like a movie. Like now when you watch like Iron Man or something, it's like him winning throughout the movie. And then at the end for one second, you think they're going to die. This movie is... But it's like a a series of false victories oftentimes, right? Yes. But this movie is a true loss. Like I think the middle of the movie took such a crazy turn and it makes for such an amazing comeback. When April O'Neil with the fire? Oh, with the fire, and they burned down her entire house. And it's say? all because of this mistake uh, that Raphael oh made. an insane line, which mm-hmm. we'll get to. I'm going to make mm-hmm. you play a game with me. Please. But I got to share this one right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they're talking about April O'Neil's place, which is... It's like an antique shop, yeah, I guess. and it's like essentially like not doing well at all. Mm-hmm. And April goes, I guess it's kind of dumb to lose money on a business just because you miss your father. And the turtles go, no, it's not. That's not friendship. No, that's you, not friendship. You want to know why they said that? Because they are willing to lose everything for their father. But for to save their father, not because they need extensive therapy. They think Splinter's dead. So it's revenge. So it is a hundred percent because they miss their father, and that is okay, a, okay. you're pointing so, out even a, a line that I'm like I didn't even pick up on that. That's a brilliant piece of writing to me. It's setting up exactly what's oh going to happen God. later in the movie. That's hilarious. I didn't have the biggest problem with the story. The bigger problem mm-hmm. was with April. Okay, April's character, I think, is a bit. Of a badass in yes, this movie. I, will I like it. her. I think she's a really good actress. She puts up with so much misogyny yeah, I, I from Casey say. Jones. <laughs> Listen, it's nineteen ninety. Yeah, it's a I, tough one. You gotta one. give it you gotta get I will give it the whole like it was made in the past thing. But I will say it, I she like, gives oh, no. him a hard time for being a fucking knucklehead. Sort of. Sort of. And then at the end she like falls for him. And look, that's not the best. <laughs> I know that that storyline is not the best. It's crazy. That guy is trash. He's, He's horrible. Trash. He comes over. There's a point in the movie where he comes over and gives her like the inappropriate. Oh, massage. he does the, and then he like pushes her down yes, and then makes she, her like, sit devolves down. Devolves into herself, and I was like, oh no. Look, that if we're talking about actual low points that I will acknowledge. No, I know, I know. Those parts are pretty bad. Yeah. It, so it may not withstand the test of time, but as far as '90s, as far as '90s, she goes, was at least. A little bit more empowered than some other characters. Yeah, she at least like you know had a job. <laughs> had a job, like definitely took care of business. Was brave. Oh my god. Um, was like not afraid to mix it up with the turtles. Yeah, totally. Took them in. She did. Yeah. She does the whole diary thing in the middle where she's drawing the pictures. Oh, that's right. <laughs> now look, everyone's like, "What's with the diary and drawing the pictures?" This is of course how Splinter finds out that they're still alive and where they are. Wait, how does he do that? Because she, Danny, her son, takes one of the drawings. Oh, And then right. Splinter finds the drawing on Danny and goes, where are they? Oh, so Splinter 
thought they were dead too. No, S- not Splinter Shredder. I've been oh, saying, Shredder, Shredder, I've Shredder. been playing Splinter a okay. lot, and I've meant Shredder honest, a few times. I was a little confused. Yes, with that. Shredder finds yeah, the yes, drawing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. And that's so like there's so many little Easter eggs that like set up things later. It's so Shredder. good. Although that's so funny because it really is a scene where you're like, why are they doing this? Truly, and then you're like, it's like the the worst payoff. Yeah, <laughs> it's but like, it's like okay. So I think the movie is about family, sure, right? Yeah. So like. When when Raphael gets up like upset with his family and like wants more than outside his family, yes. he realizes that like ultimately that's not like the worst thing in the world, but you always need your family. Totally. So at the middle when he wakes up from the bathtub where oh he's God, been yes. gone for like the whole second act of the movie, hanging out. The the uh, the reunion between them so it's not like they wake up and are still mad at each other. Right. Like, all that shit is gone because like life or death stakes have happened. Right. To me, that's such an adult lesson to be teaching kids. Yeah. I, I mean, you're right. That and like, like that has always been such. And then they just like immediately start joking around. But it's yeah, that's I think that's a huge part of it. Uh-huh. Like that family dynamic. They are teenagers. It's that's so a hu- part of their thing. So at the end, when they're trying to avenge their father, they're making a mistake. Do you remember the scene at the end? You may not because you might have been asleep. <laughs> but there's a scene where they're like, we don't know who this guy is, but he might know who Splinter is. And the music gets really crazy and they start running at him. And you're like, they might die right now trying to find their father. I will say the music. Oh, the music is in, the fucking best it's part amazing throughout the music saves so many moments I, I just like i think the score is as iconic as yeah. like any other iconic score I mean, the it's really good the ninja turtles theme song comes on oh it's that so good your heart my heart was like it's really good it brings back this whole you feel like you're back in the 90s and then and then it also has this really dark motif yeah when with this like electric guitar that's like and things feel dark oh that totally is i think the music is why it feels maybe better directed than it actually is and then here's the thing everyone has a journey in this movie even splinter because at the end what does he do he makes a joke oh my god yes (laughs) so he started right he started as this 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 buzzkill this like somber thing like truly and then went through this whole journey where he realized that like as much as he's this tried whole to journey, ki- he was like a soul truly on but it's like as hours. much as he's tried to keep his kids safe mm-hmm. he just all fathers just want and he, and who does he voice this to danny he does we haven't even talked about danny because he has a great arc too <laughs> what's his arc his arc is essentially freeing splinter at, at the end oh yeah he gets a win he gets danny a good win. is yeah. is april's son who is involved with the he's foot clan. very confusing but he's like a, wait he's not april's son he's he is guy? he's the guy who april's dating son oh right right, right so right. basically surrogate son oh, weird. like son-in-law and he is a bad kid. He's yeah. a teenager, just yeah. like the yeah. turtles. But he's making poor. But he's decisions. on the other side of the track. I almost feel like his storyline is so confusing to me. It's like it they is. forgot that they were writing him in, and then he mm. like kept popping out of nowhere. But I will say one of my favorite parts of the movie is when they finally get into the Foot Clan and they're trying to act like they belong. And someone's like, "Hey, can I get some cigarettes?" And someone just some cool kid just whips out like two carton of like so airport good. style so like duty free cigarettes. It's like such a like <laughs> fantasy for teenage it's boys. Like, they're like skating what, exactly. It's like but, this is what cool. But kids. again. That is such an analogy for like what you (laughs) what you're looking for outside your family is this group of this gang of boys. And then what happens 
when Casey Jones shows up and he gives this big speech. He's like, you guys call this a family? You guys call this a family? <laughs> it's like such a good scene. But it's more it, that, good acting, more But that's what acting. I mean. The whole thing is illustrated through Danny's arc because oh, yeah. he realizes he cares about his family. And at the end, he just wants to save the turtles. Oh, you're so right. You're so and, right. And the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, this shit is well written. The writers of this movie were like seasoned veterans. <laughs> oh, man. It, it's, I'm not going to lie. It's not the worst there are some real stakes in this movie (laughs) i'm talking crying like i will cry watching this movie that's hysterical during during the meditation the meditation scene for sure the scene at the end when they're like fighting shredder and like shred and then splinter shows up i mean there's so many scenes i mean even the scene where Raphael wakes up and reunites with the rest of the turtles yeah those scenes are those are deep scenes that's an emotional one you know i think maybe if we got to that faster i had such a tough time in the middle of the movie i was like so it's it's basically three acts i would say the first act is all of the new york stuff where they end it where they fight (laughs) which where they fight in um in the like antique shop yes then the, the second act is all in the cabin and i will say it is slower yes but it but it has the most dramatic moments to me and then the third act i think is really fun and it's a very small th- it's just a fight like you know, on a sound stage it's not like them skiing off the side of a building and landing on a truck and a car chase it's just right a fight it, it truly is it's practical so small I mean, it and go, practical it, does. it goes back to the, to the practicality of it they all, had to lean fun. on the script because they didn't have special effects <laughs> so true so and the acting also we've touched on this a little bit with the jim henson stuff with the mm-hmm. costumes but i think costume design is another biggie true uh, i do believe that the turtles are fantastic and they are despite great the fact that you can sometimes see them the yes. human being through the mouth <laughs> yes. that's in one shot i think but definitely like outside of that these are the most functional turtles they are the most anatomically correct and they're the most non-scary in my opinion yes and, but then they spent mm. all their money on the turtles mm. and were left with our villain Shredder. Okay, outfit. Shredder's costume is what very comic is book accurate. Wearing? It's comic book accurate, is but it? his because like he's not, it's not comic book accurate because he's already wearing some of his upgraded. This attire. is true. I will say he has like a thing that he's wearing over his blade shoulders that looks like a cape you could buy at like a costume yes. shop. He's like wearing anywhere. a cheese grater on his head. But they make that joke, <laughs> so they call it out. Yeah, they were like, "Look, we got to at least say." I, I, there's always points for calling things very out. Self-awareness true. points. I, and I think, look, that definitely Shredder's acting and his costume is a little bit outside the movie. Uh-huh. But if you look at the foot and those kids, they all dressed like the warriors. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're really... I think the costume design is... It fa- actually also really it, confused me. Mm. The costume design that I had the biggest problem with mm. was when the foot puts on their green masks. Yeah, or their black masks and yeah. red... But it's thing, green yeah. and red. They look exactly like, like old the, Ninja Turtles. Mm, it was like true. the costume designer was like, oh, I don't know what to do for them. I think they're supposed to be black, but maybe they look green because they're just like not. Because of the way it was shot. Yeah, it was just shot. In it weird truly light. looks like those costumes inspired the well, second movie. You know, they're all sort wardrobe. of coming from the same teacher. Yeah, I guess that's true. So it's all kind of makes perfect sense I mean, if you think about it. <laughs> oh, oh so I, I like guess it's theory. pretty good. I like this you theory. know what? Wardrobe is really good, and it's right in the beginning. April O'Neil in her yellow coat 
it's iconic it's iconic it's so iconic that when i googled april o'neill it sparked uh the biggest april o'neill of our time which is the porn star. the porn star who, who basically based it off this character who i think is oh, 100% like 100 it's character. a brilliant idea it's the most brilliant marketing plan i mean she was like there is a need she that acknowledged jacket. that everyone oh loved them she's in the jacket i must say the original april o'neill is so beautiful in a very specific way. And I don't think she would be cast as a leading lady now. Why? I think she's absolutely stunning, but in like an 80s leading way. Right. Does that sure. make sense? Yeah. I mean, like, like the hair. Me- she's not like a Megan, F- like the new Ninja Turtles was with Megan Fox. Oh God. I have stopped. So it's like, any. that was who they had as April O'Neil. Whereas this April O'Neil is like the perfect comic book a- adaptation. <laughs> Everything about her is perfect. Her fucking sassiness and her sex appeal is like next level through the roof this woman is still working she's still out there is she and if she's listening to this i want her to know that she is a revelation in this movie and sean is single absolutely and, and i would not give you a like forced neck massage i will <laughs> not so nice of you. i will 100 percent be like mrs <laughs> judith hogue slash april o'neill what can I <laughs> amazing um that's hysterical uh so lastly while we're on the topic of script yes uh, i have a fun game for you to play please this is about the jokes okay because great. one of the fun things about a movie being perfect is that, that it's gotta have that comic the movie relief. has some perfect jokes it's gotta have some uh, so i'm jokes. gonna go through and you're gonna tell me if all these jokes great. Uh, are perfect great Great. Okay. In the scene when April O'Neil mm-hmm. uh, it thinks she's dreaming when she sees the Ninja Turtles for the mm-hmm. first time, mm-hmm. uh, she gets upset and she says, why don't I ever dream about Harrison Ford? Okay. Now, that's pretty funny to me. <laughs> We're laughing. Now, it's it's definitely a corny line, but it's funny as hell. I, we're both laughing. Like, I think there are, that's a, that's a level of joke in this movie that's like, I don't know if it would have worked back then, but it works so much now because it's so campy. Yes. Like, that is such a funny, I think that's really Well, funny. and probably worked better then because so, it wasn't a sticky thing. Exactly. Uh, another right, yes, one. Perfect joke. Uh, dudes and dudettes, Major League butt kicking is back in town. That is the first <laughs> line of the Ninja Turtles, maybe, or very early on. Very early on. And I must say, it sets the tone. They're teenage, they're rude, they're party dudes. <laughs> I don't even know if that's supposed to be a joke. Major League butt kicking mm-hmm. is back in town. I love it's flawless it. writing. I'm, Major I'm, I'm League on that too. butt kicking. Because look, this had to be well. PG. So it's like, what are they going to say? Major League butt kicking is so smart. <laughs> I love it. So smart. Uh, okay, another That's one. So okay, so when Splinter gets kidnapped, Michelangelo screams, and they pan up to a confused pedestrian above ground shaking his head at the sewer gate. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's like New York's another crazy character in this movie. It's the button to the like one of the most dramatic scenes. They lose their father, and instead of just letting <laughs> no, us, they Splinter. Yeah, it's like the for all we know at that moment, Splinter was murdered. Oh, right? that is and truly then he's very just funny. like. Oh, I think it's are. funny. It's a nice little cut of the tension. There's a lot of tension cutting in this movie, I will uh, say. How about this one? Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. A group of masked men from the foot approach April O'Neil, and they say, we've been waiting for you, Mrs. O'Neil. And April says, what? Am I behind? Am I Sony? Okay, now this, again? I knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> Movies from this time do not age well, Fair. right? And this movie, we've already talked about ways yes. that it doesn't age well. This is 
one of the low points in the jokes, clearly. <laughs> but in a movie that has a lot of like, I would say Asian stereotypes or like ninja, st- like that kind of thing, yes. it's not as bad as you would think. This is maybe the only time that they hit it. Like overtly and then overtly, they all chuckle like, before she like gets Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's really, that's a bad line. It's a, it's a, it's a roughie. It's a rough one. It, when that one came up, I was just like, oh no. It's a tough one. I woke up from my nap. It's a tough one. one. But like, again, I like you watch a movie like I did recently watch Bad Boys 1 and there's so much like gay panic and like all this other stuff that like really takes you out of so many scenes because it's in a lot of scenes. Why is that? Yeah, 100%. Here's another good one. Uh, Question. Do you like penicillin on your pizza? Don't. Now that's funny because (laughs) what they're talking about is old pizza they found in the trash. Yes. And the joke is that the mold on it is penicillin. So that is a very high level smart joke. (laughs) It's a thinker. It's a thinker. thinker. Look, did I get it when I was a kid? Absolutely not. Not a chance. Didn't even know what penicillin was. No, or or the cause of it. But I do remember watching it. I think I was even like in New York and a friend of mine, Chelsea Scott, we watched it. We would watch it like on Valentine's Day or something as like a tradition. So we Uh like watched it and I remember being like, oh, I get that joke now. Yeah, that joke is a little bit of a thinker. I still think it's, I think it's actually quite clever. That's hilarious. Um, How about this one? Mm -hmm. (laughs) When Casey Jones beats some guy up, kisses Mm -hmm. his golf club and says, I'll never call golf a dull game again. That's a really (laughs) stupid line. But okay, we're in a, we're in a fight scene and fight scene quips are notoriously bad lines. Always. So this one is just an awful, awful one. That's hilarious. Kissing the golf club is funny because people kiss their golf clubs when they play golf uh-huh. I just don't think they needed the line I'll never call golf a dull game again why when has he done that in the movie why is he he has the golf club so true also this is not a joke in any way but I love I just remembered exactly what they call it in the movie the silent crime wave yes and oh. it is a flawless term so good but but when she finally sees a face of it she goes what am I behind on my Sony payments you know about the silent crime wave <laughs> Yeah. You know you're in you deep know trouble, they're the and yet she stops with these masked men, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we've covered uh, the music, mm-hmm. we've color- covered the directing, mm-hmm. we've covered the script and the jokes and the acting, and overall, mm-hmm. you still think it's a perfect film? It's funny because <laughs> the more we talk about it, the more I'm convinced. That at the very least, it's a movie that I think the creators and people who made it put a little bit more thought into it than we give them credit for. Totally. At the very least. Totally. Do I think it's a perfect movie? I think for a movie from 1990 that's an adaptation of a kid's comic, uh-huh. it is. <laughs> I think the fact that the stars of it are these puppet faces. Yeah. We can't really attribute it to an actor or a performance. Is right. why it doesn't get the credit it's due. I think you might be right. Which is also wild because it really was such a feat from Jim Henson's it's studio. It's such today. a feat. Sean, I think you've done a very good job of Thank you. On this and look, today. this is a movie that I watched and tried to detach from nostalgia's sake and just look at from a critical, professional <laughs> writer's standpoint. And it is very good. And I, I tell, I'm telling you, please watch it. If you're listening to this podcast and you think I'm insane, just watch Ninja Turtles 1. Give it a shot. Not super long. It might take you a whole day to get through it. But I think it's really worth watching. And with that, I'm going to read you your eulogy. 
We have gathered here today to say goodbye to Sean Diston, who died on the hill of the 1990s live-action Ninja Turtles film is a perfect movie. Sean was survived by many projects, including Robbie on Comedy Central, which will be coming out in 2020, many improv teams at UCB, including his Herald Team Pony. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram at Sean Diston to follow his legacy. Uh, we want to thank you so very much for your time, Sean, here on this earth, and may you rest in peace and cowabunga, dude. <laughs> you made a funny... Hey guys, thank you for listening to today's episode of Hills I'd Die On. If you're enjoying the podcast, feel free to rate it on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment letting me know what you like most. You can also reach out to me on Twitter at ByTaylorCox. I am always happy to hear thoughts or feelings or, of course, any hills you guys might be willing to die on yourselves. Thanks again for listening and hope to see you next week. <laughs>